Hey everyone, my name is Todd Lynch. I'm the East Location Pastor. So excited to be preaching today. I want to welcome all of our locations, West, East, and Prison. Anybody listening online, love that you're here. So here is what we're going to be talking about today, growing pains. Now, some of you are like, oh, that was an old TV show. It was so good. Some of you are like, really? Yep, some of you go Google it. It will be a good time. You'll enjoy it. But all of us in here, I know what's happening. It's a new year, and you're kind of starting, okay, 2016, not my best, or maybe it was great. Um, But you're kind of looking at, all right, what do I want to change? What goals do I want to put in place? Uh, All those kind of things. Um, And so I know for me, every year, I usually try to set some goals. And it's funny, I will have a list of like 20 or 30 things. If you're like me, you'll relate to this. And there's like two or three of them I actually get done. Um, I, I don't know why I do it. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to change this, 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 and I'm get through the year, and I'm like, I did two of those. Awesome. Really good percentages there. Um, but it is funny to watch just humanity do this. We do this all the time. Every new year that comes along, we're like, we're going to change it. We're going to make this year awesome. And I'm not saying it goes bad, but it's just, it's funny to watch how we always do this at the beginning. And so I want to wrestle with, okay, why do we do that? Why is there this mindset that we need to grow, we need to change, we need to make this just the best life it could be? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just curious, like, why does it exist? Um, Because the funny thing is, you do look at statistics, only 8% of us are actually going to accomplish the goals that we put down. Now, some of you are probably like me, you're like, well, I already gave up. Like, (laughs) not that good at them anyway, so boom, done. And so I want to wrestle with, okay, we have this desire to grow, but only 8% of us are really accomplishing those goals. So what's going on here? And so I think there's some things going on in culture, uh, I think that goes on in humanity, that kind of can explain some of that. So to help with that, I've got some memes that I want you to look at. If you don't know what memes are, then don't worry about it. Um, Tell you later. Here's the first one. If you can relate with this. You want to look like this when you're running, but sometimes you look like this. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you see yourself, like someone kind of camera of you, like working out or doing something, you're like, oh, not as good as I was hoping. Um, here's the next picture. For those of you who flex in the, the weight room, get that one like tricep muscle that's starting to come through. We hope we look like this, but sometimes in reality, we look like that. Um, now, and here's the last one, just to show you this last one. <laughs> this has all happened to us. Let's just be honest. This has happened. We have like one little success. We're like, yes, give me the cake. Like, where is it? Give I don't know how you're supposed to eat that hamburger. That thing is massive. But we all have these moments. And so these memes start to point out, I think, two things. First thing is this. The reason a lot of us don't accomplish our goals is because we set unrealistic goals. We set, like, we want, we're here. We want to be here. And so instead of going, okay, what's the next step? We go, this is my goal now. And that's how, that's why I show you the memes, because we're like, I want to look like this. But in reality, you look like that, and you're like, well, I give up. And it's just unrealistic. We can't start with, like, let's get to perfection. No, what's the first step we need to take? And so the other one is simply this. We are a culture that wants fast results, instant gratification. And so the trouble becomes is that when we are trying to change something and we don't see results fast enough, we're like, I give up. 
I'm done. And so I've, I've done it in my own life. We've all seen it, and many of us have experienced it, to where we give up on goals real too, way too easily. And then we go year by year by year and go, man, when am I really going to change? When am I really going to go through these growing pains? And so I want to wrestle with, as you're kind of processing that, you're like, okay, yeah, I, we've all experienced that. Questions is, why is there this desire to go through that madness? Why do we want to change? Why do we want to grow? And I think it starts here. It says this, God desires growth. And I believe we are made in the image of God. So if God desires growth, I think we have this innate part of us that goes, we want the same thing. Just like God, like think about it, he made the world, made it perfect. And our sin got in the way of that, but his goal was to make it, and even with the sin getting in the way, he's been working and pursuing us and going, I'm gonna bring it back to where it was. I'm gonna make it perfect again. And so he has this desire to see all of us in here grow and reach the potential that he wired us, made us to uh, accomplish. And so God has this desire, and so in us, that desire exists, but it's not just me talking. Listen to the Bible. Here's where it says this. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes. This is his heartbeat. He goes, I want to begin this good work in you, and I am going to see that it is finished. God desires that. So to me, this led me to a crazy thought, because growing up in church, especially when I was younger, all I thought was that the church wanted me to get saved. God wanted me to be saved. That was the ending point. But actually, it's not. Now, hear me on this. The moment you make a decision to follow God, you give your life to him. That is a, such a significant moment. It is the beginning of a journey where God goes, I also value seeing you grow and accomplish the things that I believe you can do and that I've made you to do. And so that's why this verse, I think, is so powerful where we recognize there is desire that is in us that comes from God to grow. Now, here's the other part of it, because some of you may be like, okay, why does God care about that so much? Why does it matter to him? Well, there is a war for our souls. Let me explain this a little bit. There is good and evil that exists in this world. And all of us see it. There's evil that happens. There's good that happens. You can go read the newspaper. You can go read online. There, you see it. Here's the truth, though. The war is not between good and evil. See, good always wins. I mean, think about it. Forgiveness, love, those moments when good happens, it always defeats evil. It is always better than evil. And so when we walk through those moments of humility, love, forgiveness, truth, we learn those amazing things. It's better than those moments when we have selfishness. I mean, it's easy. It's kind of obvious on some levels. But so then, the, if the war's not there, where is it? It's for the battle of what is humanity going to choose? Is it going to believe that there is good in this world, that God created it, and it exists to where we can be a part of it? Or will we fall into the trap of doing what we want to do, what we want to get out of this world, and that we are the ones that are in control? And so for me, there is this huge choice that is happening in all of our lives where God goes, that's why this is important. 
Uh, you hear me, it's in the Bible, Ephesians says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It says this in Second Peter, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So both of those verses refer to there is this, there's this battle language. First one revealing like, hey, this battle is not against each other. Battle is against the evil that exists in the world. And then the second verse reveals, hey, you have a role to play in that. If you live out this goodness, it will affect the people around you. That's why God goes, your growth matters. Your growth is critical to what God wants to do. Think about this. God wants to use you to bring about his kingdom into this world, to bring heaven to earth. He goes, I want to use humanity. That's why growth is critical. That's why it matters to God. He goes, and you have a role, and your growth is so significant to me. And so some of you might be thinking, Todd, it sounds good, sounds great, but I'm a little skeptical. I don't know how all of this plays out. How does it work? Show me on some levels. I'm just so glad you asked. Um, so here's the first part of it. I think the first part of it is recognizing in order for us to grow, there needs to be a relationship with God. That's where growth happens. Because I understand, some of you in here, all of us in here, we can go and have success. We can go and grow on our own. But we're only going to hit a certain level. I think on our own, we can only do about this good. Where God's going, you don't even understand how much potential is in you. You have no idea what plans I have for you. And so in order to hit the highest potential of your life, you got to go, all right, starting with God, have this relationship with him. And then the second part of it is how do you sustain it? Because like I said earlier, only 8% of us are accomplishing those goals. So how do we actually change in life? How do we make it? If it goes beyond just getting saved, how do we sustain this? And so here's the key part that I want us to start walking through, and that is this. Sustained growth needs coaching. All of us in here are like, yep. If you can think of it, like football is going on right now. we got the playoffs happening. And you just, if you watch the college football championship, an amazing game, two great coaches who coach their teams very well. And it's amazing to watch athletes, musicians, uh, students, all those kinds of things. Because I think of you know, coaches, teachers, parents. And when you see somebody do something remarkable, and it's because that coach, that parent, that teacher got the best out of that person. That's powerful. That's when, when a coach inspires, when a coach creates accountability, that's when growth really starts to take place. And that to me, is, I find it amazing when, when a coach or a program or an institution or a teacher is able to sustain this growth throughout their life, but also through the lives that they're pouring into. And so I decided to take it upon myself to be like, you know what? It's so true. I want to learn how to be a great coach to my kids because I've got three of them. Um, I decided, you know what? I think it is key, and this is going to be so random to all of you. I think it's key for uh, everyone to be able to do a push-up. I know that sounds weird. So I decided I want to start coaching my kids on how to do a push-up. 
Now, I remind you, um, Emma is three years old. Corbin is one. Avery, our youngest daughter, is six weeks. So she was a little, a little bummed by it, but she could not participate. <laughs> but I have a video of start, me starting to coach Emma and Corbin on how to do push-ups. You can only imagine how this went. So for your viewing pleasure, watch me trying to coach my kids. And one. Are you ready? Two. <laughs> Three. All right. You got to try to do a push-up. <laughs> At the end there, I got a little forceful with Corbin. I was like, you will do this. And probably the best decision. Um, but here's why I show you that video. I just kind of wanted to make you laugh a little bit. But I think all of us in here, you could go like, oh yeah, I feel like God, like myself, trying to teach them how to do push-ups, maybe a little young. But the other thing is you can see the differences that are going on. You got me, I've done push-ups before. Like I've had, that was my punishment growing up sometimes. My dad would be like, all right, son, 10 push-ups, go. I'd be like, really? Um, and that's just how it went. And so you look at Emma in that video, she is easily distracted and loves doing it her own way, loves making everybody laugh, doesn't really care if she's doing it correctly, because there is a correct form to doing a push-up. Corbin, on the other hand, has no idea what's going on. You can see he's like, this would be more entertaining to climb on dad. And so we're all at different levels. And the part I love about God is all of us in here, we're at different levels in our growth. And God is willing to be patient with us, willing to work through all of these different things to kind of help us go, okay, you're here, let's take that next step. You're here, let's take that next step. And God, I think, is a very powerful coach in this, and that's why I believe Jesus did something, and he said something that I think is so profound for us to understand and why God can be such a good coach in our lives. So listen to this in Matthew. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Sounds clear, sounds nice, but I want to give you a little bit to me why this stood out. So if you process this, he is talking to disciples, he's talking to the Pharisees, the leaders of this day, and a bunch of people. And they're all looking at him going, all right, Jesus, you seem to be pretty powerful, you seem to be a pretty crazy dude um, that can do some amazing miracles, but are you really the son of God? Are you really going to play this out? Like, and he explains, because some of the Pharisees are like, man, you're not seem to be following all the, like, the laws the way they should be. And God, Jesus clarifies, like, no, 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 no. I didn't come here to change the law or to abolish it. I came so that it can be accomplished and I could show you the purpose of it. Think about this. Jesus lived it out perfectly. There are 600 laws in the Old Testament, 600, 600 of them. I struggle with like the Ten Commandments at times, all right? So Jesus had all 600 and he's like, I came to accomplish their purpose because before that, how you knew if you were growing is you measured up to the law. It's like, okay, am I following this rule? Am I following this rule? Have I accomplished this? Have I done this? And I don't know about you, but that's hard. I don't do well with that. And according to our statistics, 8% of us would be the only ones that would be able to maybe accomplish it. The law is hard to do. 
I would almost argue it's impossible. But Jesus came and said, I'll do it. And he lived it perfectly, which made him the perfect, perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. So then evil wouldn't win anymore. He died on the cross so that he goes, no, that sin part doesn't own you anymore. And I lived it out perfectly to where not only can I help you to know that you are saved and that grace takes over, but there is this grace also that's going to teach you how to walk it out. See, to me, this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus is why we can grow through a relationship instead of the law. It's very profound because you think about it. Go back to my kids. If I wrote out all these rules of what I wanted them to accomplish and what I wanted them to do and just said, good luck, here you go. All the parents in the room would be like, that is terrible. There needs to be a relationship. There has to be this to where they understand me as dad. I'm willing to laugh with them, willing to have this relationship and walk them through some tough moments. And so that's what Jesus did and created an amazing opportunity for us not only to be saved, how powerful that is, but also to be coached and go, you can become more than what you really believe you can be because of what I did. So Jesus changed everything to me on that and became one of the best coaches we could ever have. But in order for a coaching relationship to work, there has to be trust. And so I think there's three factors that come into us being able to trust him. And so I'm going to walk through this passage from Peter. Remind you, Peter was Jesus's like best friend, saw him do some amazing things. And so I think his perspective on this is powerful. And then through these, this passage, we'll walk through um, the three things. So for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow his steps. Catch that. He is your example and you must follow his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judged fairly. By his wounds, you are healed. So here's the first factor that I think is key to trust. Believe God can lead us to perfection. We have to have this belief that God can take us to a place that we on our own can't do. Uh, catch this in the passage. It says this in 1 Peter. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Remember, Peter said we must follow in his footsteps. Must follow his example. I don't know about you, but I go, ah, that, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. And Jesus is like, I'm not asking you to do it on your own. I'm asking you to lean on me so I could show you, but you have to have the belief that I could take you there, that God can lead us to perfection. There's other places where Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So there is this idea from God that thinks you can reach perfection, but many of us in here, many of us in here doubt that. There's times where I do, where I have let the shame or the guilt of some of the choices that I make, some of the mistakes that I've made, Get in the way and think, God, there's no way you can fix me. And so what we start to do is we start to believe a lie from Satan, from this evil team, I'll call them that, that says you can't get there. God can't take you there. Truth is, God can, and we have to believe it. Second part is this, be content through the process. This one sucks. Can I just be honest with you? Like, this is so hard. Um, but let me read you the passage that walks this out. 
He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judged fairly. I just want you for a minute to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Think about what he walked through. And he didn't retaliate. He didn't do any of those things. And he experienced success. He experienced injustice. He experienced suffering. But he was content on letting his father take care of those things and say, no, this is my mission. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm stuck to doing. That's what it is. He stuck to his mission. And so for many of us, here's what I think the problem becomes is we start comparing. We go, here's me. I want to be here. And we go, I want to take that step. I want to take it all the way up there instead of just saying, okay, God, what is my next step? Because we don't like being content. We would rather get through it as quickly as possible, get through the discomfort, get through the pain, and just be like, no, okay, how could I get through this quickly? Instead of seeing that the process is actually good, we need it. Because remember, there's a battle for our souls. And so if you're willing to go through the process, God's going to say, because you went through that, because you were faithful in that, I want you to show others how to do it. But we first have to learn to be content. So then the third part, learn to push through. It says this in the passage. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Jesus carried the biggest weight ever. All of our sins, every single one of them, he took to the cross. And there were times where it was overwhelming for him. And he needed his father to coach him through it. If you read, there's a time where he is so overcome by emotion, so overwhelmed that he is praying to God, God, if there is any way, take this cup from me. And at this point, he's bleeding, uh, sweating blood. Like you think about, I've never experienced that, but that's very overwhelming for a person to walk through. But in the midst of that, he pushed through And he said these words, God, may your will be done, not my own. So we learn to push through and trust that what God has us to do, the mission he's put before us, is the most important thing we need to accomplish. So you got those three things. And so I know I've been talking a lot about, okay, here's how God shows us. I want to show you, though. I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. Because I saw a video recently of a martial arts instructor who was helping this kid learn how to overcome an obstacle that was in his way. And I think it's so profound because if you take what we're talking about and just apply it to this video, I think you'll begin to see how God is working with us. So watch this video. Pulling, punch all the way through. When you feel the pain, go all the way through. That could be a barrier in life or anything. Punch hard. You gotta punch it hard enough. Punch through it. You feel pain? Shake that off. Let's go. That's what this is about. Good. Let's get to that. Why are you crying? That's what this is about, son. It's okay to cry. We cry as men. Why are you crying, son? Come on. Tell me, why are you crying? Part of test for a reason, but why are you crying? Go ahead, son. Because what? Because it is hard 
But you did it. You punched him into nothing. You know in life there's going to be things harder for you to do than other things? And you know those things that may appear to be hard to do, you're going to have to do as a man, regardless. And it's going to take tears. It's going to take the blood of Yeshua, Jesus, and your sweat to break through it. Do you understand? Yes, sir. So I don't mind you crying. I cry a lot, too. You know what I'm saying? All right? So I want you just to, you're pulling your blow. I don't know if you're facing fear or you're feeling that you may not make it. And we all face that from time to time. And when we face, as soon as we have resistance, we don't want to stop, right? Because it's hurting for that pain. We're like, I'm not going through this no more, right? Exactly. We have to go off those men. It's going to be very painful. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Being a black man in this country, you're going to need mental fortitude. You're going to have to be strong here more so than here. You understand? Yes, sir. You can do it. You just got to put your mind to it. And it's good to cry so you can work through that emotion. So when it arises again, you can push it to the side and do what you have to do. You understand? Yes, sir. All right, good. Let's see what you got. But you need to dig hard. Tell me what hard you can. I hope you saw the grace that that teacher had towards that kid. Because I think all of us in here have probably said that to God. God, I can't. I can't make this decision. I can't take this step. I can't. And some of us probably got emotional about it. And I love his response. That's good. Let's talk about it. Let's go there. See, I feel like that's what God does with us where he gives us so much grace to not only walk out the sin in our life, he also goes, let's walk out those tough moments that I'm going to ask you to do. Grace to be saved, but grace also to grow. We need both. And they all come from God. And so if you kind of watch that kid, you could see the discomfort as he's punching. And so to me, I'll ask you this question. How are you growing? Are you letting God's grace change you? Are you really pushing through? Are you having those conversations where you can almost hear Jesus verbally saying, this is good. Let's talk through this. It's okay to cry. I sweated blood, so. <laughs> I think he's just so patient and kind with us in a powerful way. And so here becomes my part. As I've asked you those questions, here's what I'm learning. We have to be willing to face that discomfort. I put it this way, learning to pursue discomfort. Because it's going to come up in our lives. Whether we recognize the sin or recognize some issues in our lives, or God asks us to do something, and the question is, is are you learning to pursue the discomfort? Are you learning to say, you know what, if I'm going to change my life, if I'm going to grow, that means I've got to face the discomfort. I've got to get rid of what's going on in my life and put in the new. There's this verse in First Peter that I think even helps it. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. Sit there a little bit. I think all of us in here have tried to do life our own way. And maybe some of us have experienced success. But yet we're still left a little empty. We're still left going, man, is this it? Some of us in here, we've tried 
accomplishing goals. We tried finding success. But in, now in life, we're even more lost. We're confused on what we're supposed to be doing. And so then God changes this. But now you have turned, your, turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Jesus goes, you've got the opportunity to turn the life around and not let success, not let any of those things get in the way of what I really want you to accomplish and see the true potential in you. And so this is, for me, was such a tough thing for me to go through. Because I want to share a story with you that I have been walking out in my life, um, personal story that is, uh, it's difficult to share on some levels. Because I hate the fact that I wasn't able to do it better. So recently, uh, I changed uh, my roles here from being the student pastor to being the East Location pastor. And and I remember I, I gave a whole sermon about surrendering that to God, and it was a powerful moment for me. But I want to set this up for you so you can understand where the discomfort kind of came in. So I graduated college, took my first job. This was it. This was me starting ministry out here and got out here and we had about 10 people in the student ministry. And I was like, oh man, I don't, I'm scared just with the 10. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get these 10 kids to learn about Jesus? And, and so my idea was, well, we don't have a band. We don't have a lot of things. Um, I like games, they seem to like games. Do that and I'll speak. And so there was 30 minutes of games, 30 minutes of sermons and I felt so bad for the kids. I don't know why they came back, but they did. Um, I was a young pastor trying to figure it all out and let me tell you, I was so nervous, so nervous. And so I I kept walking this out and uh, you know, six, seven years go by and I see growth happen where we got to 50, 100, 150, 200 and start to see God using me in a powerful way of seeing leadership come into play, seeing God do some amazing things within the youth group to where I saw kids seeing their lives change and God confirming so many things through leaders, through these students. And so I, I got to this spot and I was like, God, this is so good. I can't believe you let me do this. And there was a moment where I recognized, and I, as I was going through this, this is what I recognized. Going through that, it confirmed for me something that I needed to hear. Because I'll be honest with you, growing up, I never thought I could do this. I, my dad was a cop, my mom was a nurse, pastor was never on the radar. So God calls me to do it, and I was I had so scared that I would never make it. Wouldn't cut it. And I'd be one of those pastors who tried it, but then went and did something else. But what the student ministry did is it confirmed for me, I can do it. I can be a pastor. And so God was letting me have this amazing moment. And then there came this point where God's like, okay, Todd, I need you to move to this next role. And I was like, no. This is good. Why would I change this? This is so great. But I also knew, okay, I got to be obedient. I know the godly thing to do. So I took it, and I'll tell you, last year, the first six months were amazing. Like, what God did of setting, getting us ready for East, and then the East launch happened, and it was amazing. But then the next six months were grueling, difficult. Because I don't know if you've had this moment where you try something new and there's like the honeymoon phase, you're like, this is great. And then you're like, not so great anymore. What happened? 
And so I got into these next these six months at the end of 2016, where I was like, God, I don't, help me understand this because I feel this is all new to me. This is not the same as student ministry. I don't know how to be necessarily a location pastor. I'm trying to figure out this whole multi-site thing. And I remember trying to fix things. I remember trying to do this. And sometimes I feel like, man, I feel like I'm getting in the way. So then it brought back all those fears. Like, man, am I going to cut it again? Am I going to make it? But then I felt God press in and be like, hey, I'll coach you through it. And I'll tell you, my relationship with God, it has gotten closer through those six months, but it's also been the most frustrating relationship at the same time. Where I feel like God is stretching me beyond, then beyond what I wanted to be stretched. Where he's showing me right now, he's like, okay, you uh, need to wrestle with some control stuff that's going on in your life. You, you control things a little too much. I was like, no, I don't. You know, that was my first reaction. And then... The next thing is like, I want to show you how to manage success. Because if you're not careful, success can get out of hand. And it can actually be your downfall. Then the last part is you showing me, I want want to teach you how to be an influential leader, not just authoritative leader. You don't need to be given the position in order to lead. You can just influence people. That's a big difference. And so I look at that and I'm going, God, I needed that. But man, I hated going through but it's what God wanted. That's what God desires. And now I feel like I see what he's trying to do. It means more people will get to hear about him. It means more people I get to coach. That's what I want my life to be. And someone asked me, he's like, okay, what do you want 2017 to be about? I simply said, I want to be faithful. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit early. I don't want to run away from this. I simply want to say, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And have this spirit of power. Because hear me on this. God gives us a spirit of power. Not a spirit that's meek. Not a weak spirit. He says, I've given you a spirit of power to walk through the discomfort that comes in your life. To walk through the battles that you're going to go through. Because there are souls at stake. And I'm going to use you to influence them. So growth, what you're going through, is critical. So church, I hope that today you leave going, all right, let me be part of this. How am I going to do this? How am I going to be faithful? And, and you lead into this conversation where Jesus is like, good. Let me coach you. Let's walk through this together. And so I want to finish with these two questions. Here's the first one. Do you trust God to grow you? It's got to start there. It's got to be the first spot to where you go, okay, God, do I trust you? And for some of you, it may be the first time you actually decide to trust him. Because you've been like, my life has been going the way I wanted to. It's not working out. I think he could change it. For some of you, you also need to recognize maybe you've already done that, but there's going to be so many moments where this is going to come into question. Do you trust that God has you and he knows where he's taking you? Do you trust him? Do you have that kind of relationship with him? Do you trust your coach? And the second one is this. What discomfort do you need to pursue? Because I know for me, I faced this. There was a time where I felt like I was just getting too comfortable. And I prayed a dangerous prayer, like, okay, God, if I need to be stretched, like, let me know. And he brought it. And so the question is, is have you gotten too comfortable? 
And maybe you gotta ask yourself, okay, what discomfort do I need to pursue? Where do I need to press in in life and go, that is not healthy and I gotta stop doing it, I gotta change it, so I've gotta face that discomfort and the reality of owning, man, I gotta work on letting Jesus take this. So church, you've got these steps in front of you. I don't know what steps God's gonna push on you, whether it's trusting him or facing a discomfort. But I encourage you, I pray that we would learn to be a church that values growth and sees it as critical because there are souls who need our help and God's looking at us going, I want you to influence them. So I hope you'll take that challenge to really step forward saying, God, be my coach, teach me how to grow. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for what you've been coaching and teaching me. Because God, if I'm brutally honest, I thought I had made it with the student ministry. I thought that was it. I was like, man, this is amazing. But God, you stretched me more than I thought. You took me to a place I didn't know I could go. So God, thank you for not letting me define my life by my own success. God, thank you for showing me that following you, being obedient to you is more powerful because I'll reach a potential I never thought I could reach, reach a spot that I never thought I could get to. And so God, I pray for the same thing in this, for everybody listening, everyone paying attention to this. God, I pray that they would experience that in a powerful way where they would see not just the success that they see in their lives, that they would learn to see God's success for them. Because that is so much more profound than ours. And God, may we rec recognize what's at stake and may we own that and walk that out. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for today.